0: Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Tess Copes, is a newer friend of mine. And if you listened to our last episode with Nick Jetta, Tess and I just actually met. So really awesome to meet you. And I'm so, so, so excited to talk about this because you have a more unique career path. So before we dive into everything of where you're at today, give us a quick synopsis. What did you want to be when you grew up and what was your childhood like if you feel comfortable sharing it?
1: So when I grew up, I always had wanted like a vocation that was pretty much of a leadership role. I didn't really know how to define that. But at first it started out as like being a doctor or something. (laughs) Yeah. So I did try that path for a little bit. And then I realized like, I do love this, but like having someone's life in my hands seemed just a little too scary. So that was like heartbreaking for my family, and my teachers, because they're like, you should really pursue this career. But then I was like, nope. like, I've seen my dad my whole life, like talking business and always like learned through him, just like the conversations he's had on the phone and watching like my family members who also own businesses and my friends, parents seem to a lot of them own businesses as well. So I'm like, I feel like I could do this too, even though I had no idea about what it meant to run a business. So I just knew in my heart that I'm like, I can run a business. So I'm going to try it.
0: (laughs) Just like I knew it. It's just going to be easy. So at what point did you decide to make the leap and start your own business? Or what did you have to do in the meantime to get there?
1: So I say this in a weird way, like if it were up to me, when I was like 18, I would have but I didn't have like the money at that time, right? So like I'm going through college, kind of My parents very kindly paid for that college. So I had to use their money as they wanted me to, which is very understandable. So I went through college, went to Grand Valley, studied hospitality with a minor in anthropology and business. And from there, I was like, yeah, I love this. But as soon as I got out of college, I went right for the events industry. So all of my friends have always been like you throw the best events because I'm very detail oriented Mm -hmm. and I love like hosting and making people happy and giving them something to remember or like just an opportunity for all of us to get together because it's kind of hard to so anyway from there I went into the events industry and was working like 80 hour weeks as Mm -hmm. yeah like an intern with some of it not being paid and then Other times, it was like getting paid like $12 an hour to be an event manager. And it was like all my nights and weekends. So I was like, all right, I'm over this. And throughout college, like since I was 18, I also was a bartender. So I knew the bar industry very well. So from there, I kind of just transitioned full time into bartending. And then after that, I was like at a dive bar, if you will. And it kind of just got really old and I felt like I was outgrowing that. So I was like, all right, it's time to get a big girl job. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I do a nine to five job at an insurance agency for farmer's insurance and it was corporate and I absolutely hated it because I felt like my skills, either I was able to use them, but they weren't appreciated or I wasn't using the other half of my like creative skills that I wish I could have used. So I'm like, all right, this is just a really toxic environment. And I quit right away. And uh, without any backup plan, it was absolutely crazy. I kind of, yeah. (laughs) So it was kind of like an oh shit moment. But then like shortly after that, I'm like, all right, like I'm going to start a business. This is the time to do it. So with my experience in events and bartending, I kind of just did like wedding trend research and in California at the time, the mobile bar industry was flourishing and I looked at Grand Rapids market or Michigan in general. And there really wasn't anything like that other than like two or three horse trailer bars, which are fun, but you know, it doesn't really appease all audiences. So right. <laughs> I looked up this one, I was on Pinterest or something and it said mobile bar for sale. And I clicked on, it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. So. It was actually made for me overseas, and it's one of a kind, so they don't make them anymore. Wow. Yeah, it was just a one-time thing, and I don't know why they didn't continue to do it, but I've been wanting another one, (laughs) (laughs) so trying to find something else similar to it. But yeah, then I just kind of started the mobile bar. Now... But then COVID happened, so...
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So what year are we in that you started the mobile bar business?
1: Yeah, so it was... August, 2019.
0: <gasps> right there. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yep. And I had taken like, so I ordered it probably in October and it took three months to get here to Grand Rapids. It had to be like shipped and made and all these things. So from there, I was just taking a break. And then, yeah, 2020 came. It was January 2020 and the mobile bar was shipped to me. And I'm like, shit.
0: Great <laughs> timing. <more>. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, leading up to that point, first of all, I love that you went complete opposite. I don't know if I shared with you, but I also have worked food and beverage most of my career. I still bartend at my uncle's bar on the weekends and manage when he needs help. So vibe with you there. But I feel like we're told in food and beverage, like, get a big girl job. And it's like, yeah, but your, yeah. your creativity stifled. I mean, it's, you went like real far with like insurance of like, what is something I could just like get my creativity stifled? But It's so crazy that people and I still get clients all the time that say that of, oh, yeah, I have to get a big girl job. I'm like, I made more money in my life nannying and working as a bartender than anything. So like Mm -hmm. it's not a big kid or adult job, but it's so funny. We're told that. Yeah. From the point when you quit, how long did it take? Because I know nothing about like licensing or what do you have to do and all. So you order the mobile bar, ships to you January 2020. What did you have to do after that to get it, I guess, like up and running?
1: Yeah. So, first, like I'm very, very particular, um, almost like OCD esque, where like everything has to be perfect. So, it kind of took me a while because I was being a perfectionist to get it up and running. But then at one point, I was like, it's not going to be perfect. Like, you just have to let right. it go and just start. So, I first like started designing it and then also, I guess I should back up. I wanted to design like the whole event at that point. So I'm like, oh, if I have this mobile bar, I'm going to rent out furniture. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I'm like, wait, I need to reel it in and just focus on the one thing that I haven't even started yet. So that was a challenge for me because I'm also ADHD. So I'm like, I want to grab every shiny thing. <laughs> Ooh, what's over here. Maybe
0: we should do this. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so from there, after that, I was like, all right, I know like the most important thing is either a website or social media. So I got Instagram started. And from there, just boosting an ad for $20 for a week, like got me so many likes, comments, interactions. And then from there, I had my first three events that were, so this is probably like February. And my first three events were starting in May that year. One of them being one of my friends um, who was getting married Um, In Sparta, and she had like a 300 person wedding. So that was a huge exposure. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, after that, it was a client that ended up being a loyal client for many years. Um, I've been open for four years. So they've been like my client for all four years, at least one party a year. Um, And from there, it was just all their friends and family that were booking me. And then it was after that, just word of mouth. So a combination of word of mouth and Instagram really helped get the business starting to go on a roll so
0: <laughs> and your instagram is so curated and freaking beautiful i mean i went hard Thank i mean you. i'm not gonna lie to you tess i may have creeped really far back but <laughs> your instagram is a whole vibe like whole vibe there so Thank you. i want you to explain how you came up with the name of your business i know being a fellow italian lady but tell me how you came up with beviamo
1: Yeah, it took me a long time to get there. I was thinking of all kinds of different names. But then I realized I'm like, wait, like I want it to be Italian themed. My family's Italian. So I just brought it back to what does drinking mean? Or how do you say drinking in Italian? And then it ended up being let's drink. And that's what Fabiamo is. And it's just a fun, it's a
0: cute name. It's just fun. Like, I love the one word companies because it's just like, how are you going to forget that? I feel like it's really hard to forget that, which is great. So And you, you get to learn a fun fact that it means let's drink. So yeah, going back, of course, you have this 300 person wedding, May of 2020. So what did we get shut down of March in 2020? What was kind of allowed, not allowed, especially because, you know, you're doing outdoor events, but... How did that work out? I know nothing about this.
1: Okay. (laughs) This is pretty bad, but I mean, I was nervous about COVID, but like personally, I just, I wasn't as nervous as I saw a lot of other people around me. So I kind of just was like asking people like, all right, do you want us to wear a mask or would you rather your bartenders not wear a mask? I took the protocol of like, obviously being like extra careful with like, Hand washing and all that. But because my business was starting in 2020, I think that's why it flourished because everyone's venues canceled on them. Right. And so everyone moved their events to outside to their backyard or to a field in the middle of nowhere, um, or some of the outdoor venues stayed open, but that's about it. So from there, that's when people actually needed me. So it gave them like, oh, maybe we're not in a venue, but I have this really cute bar cart. So it kind of still gave them like a fun feel rather than just having it in their backyard or not having a wedding in general, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's different. It's fun events now because like you said, they range in sizes. I mean, I've seen like a little ice cream parlor cart for drinks. I've yeah. seen the big horse. Um, What did you call it? Like what is it called? Like carriage? Seeing, yeah. Yes. Can't talk today. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer. But in comparison, where does yours kind of lie? And of course, having one in the world, which is so cool that yours is so unique. But um, <laughs> how big is yours? And what did you have to do to get to being able to like do that event in May of 2020?
1: It looks like a camper. It's made to look like a camper, but it never was a camper. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just goes with a bunch of different right vibes and the color scheme that I did was very Mediterranean. So it kind of blends in with any type of event in my opinion. Like a light blue and white and gold. Like it's pretty classic and seamless. So yeah, wait, what was the other question? <laughs>
0: oh, you're gonna ask ADHD over here what my question was? Oh gosh. <laughs> I had asked you like what you had to do to prepare to open in May of 2020. Like logistics for it. You are in just an industry. I I love to um, take your products, but I don't know how it all works behind the scenes. So what you had to do to kind of get this up and running.
1: Yeah. Um, you know what? I still don't know. Like I look <laughs> back, I'm like, how, <laughs> how did do I, I do even, that? how is this even a thing? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, really? I just took like my knowledge of, and my love for organization. So I just started like, okay, I know I have to do finances. I know I have to have bookings and clients and I know I have to have like, it's very, like just like automation systems, reaching out to people, marketing, and then following up with your client after the event. So I don't know, I kind of just asked for help, because I knew I couldn't do it all. And the person I leaned on the most was my father, because he has run businesses before. So basically, I just started with, all right, I'm just going to put a price on this, I'm not going to overprice it, because this is my first time. So I want people to like, pay for more than what I deserve. I know that may sound funny, but it's like, I'm not going to charge you $2,000 when really like, I, this is my first event. So pricing is like a huge thing that I had to learn.
0: Oh, I totally agree. Because it's like, how do you do it? We, that is the number one problem we have in my business is like, how, what's our market seeing? And ours is cyclical too. I mean, layoffs happen. It's it's expensive to be an adult now. So it's really, yeah. really hard to do. But I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough is how the heck do you price yourself? Because I remember when I started out, I was like, I don't know, $30 yeah. for a whole resume. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm right there with you, sister, because yeah. but the pricing of like, let's see how it goes. And I think When you do price yourself lower, not that you want to be the lowest in the market, but like you said, it's for a friend. And of course, event goes well, friends going to refer you people. And obviously, that's been super successful for you that you've said how many referrals you've received and word of mouth. And of course, having that beautifully curated Instagram too, but um, (laughs) the pricing piece. So how does it kind of... And you don't have to give your pricing or anything like that, but what kind of goes into obviously time. Do you have to do a lot of preparation? Like what goes into making an event successful? I'm assuming a lot of preparation with someone like yourself who likes the fine details.
1: Yeah. Um, a lot actually. So it's literally from like, okay, how many cups do I need? How many pounds of ice do I need to, are we making signature cocktails? What are those signature cocktail ingredients? Do I need to make a simple syrup at home for this? Hmm. And then also like what kind of garnish do I need? Do I need dried flowers? It's just like, and if I need those dried flowers, I need them here at this time because they will only go, you know, last for so long, or like if it's fresh flowers, it's like a whole, whole thing. And then on top of that, it's like, well, how many people, how many hours, and how like what kind of drinkers are they? So like I have this whole calculator built into my website where it's like, all right, tell me the time frame of what you want to be served, how many people, and then like. Are they average drinkers? Are they heavy drinkers? All that goes into the math of how much alcohol does the client need? How much ingredients do I need? I always need to like add like a 10% extra on top of that just to make sure that we don't run out. And thankfully I've never ran out, but I've been very close. Um, So I would say it's very important if you are like looking to start your own mobile business of any sort, especially with alcohol, like always anticipate more because- People at the end would rather have leftover alcohol that they can use throughout the rest of the year than like not have enough and be like, what's going on? And then have to run to mire or something middle of the event. And then you just look bad. Um, On top of that, it's like loading the camper, making sure the camper is clean, hooking it up to the truck, leaving like three hours early to get to the event two hours early and setting up everything. And (laughs) There's
0: just like a thing or two to do, Tess. It's no big deal. What?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm usually like sweating, just loading my truck or like, you know, going to Costco or something, getting the alcohol. It's like, it's really, really time consuming. Like each thing is probably an hour long. And then after that, you know, it's the tear down and cleaning all the stuff and putting it back where it belongs. And do I need to buy more inventory or do I need to? buy better barware did something break like <laughs> and on top of that like the decorations because you want it to be cute because not everyone can afford decorations right. so I usually just buy like floral or plants to put on the bar outside to make it like look cute so it's not just like standing there with like nothing around it that's a lot
0: and I didn't even I'm so hung up on the whole like dried flowers because yeah I've had cocktails with them or you know like a dried out i love a good blood orange but it's i don't think about where it comes from or you have to you know bring that or find it or make sure it ships in time and the shelf life is good i mean i'm stressed (laughs) out so i'm i'm glad there's people like you in the world that can handle this because i'm it's it's stressful for me but amazing now have to ask of course what is your favorite cocktail or favorite cocktail you've made
1: Um, I'm going to be real simple here and say a French 75 but I make my own um, and I put a lemon lavender syrup in it so it's (sighs) gin or vodka with champagne and then and usually it's lemon juice and simple but I combine the two to make it uh, like less steps in the cocktail, um, and I do lemon lavender simple. So I don't add any lemon juice per se. Just it's in the simple. But yeah, that would be my favorite with a dried lemon on top. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Anything lavender.
0: <laughs> I'm a big lavender gal too. Like lavender, and I'm the freak that I like genuinely love lemons. Like I will just eat a lemon like a crazy person. So I love oh my gosh, love love that love. Is crazy. Yes, like. <laughs> like okay girl you're a little crazy out there for me but now coming up with the like making your own simple syrups because it could be you could go buy them very easily totally different vibe though but did you get this experience did you do this while you were bartending that you were able to make these simple syrups or was this something you taught yourself and just kind of mastered
1: um okay I get. for me this is kind of like a two-part question so yeah yes you could Technically, you can buy any simple syrup you want online. The thing is, it doesn't feel as bespoke for your clients if it's just like something you buy off the shelf. And to me, it feels cheap. But also in addition to that, there's usually too much sugar content yes. in those syrups. And it's so thick that like it can change your recipe. So cocktails are so crazy because it's so scientific. Like it's down to like the ounce per like it has to have a citrus, it has to have a sugar, it has to be balanced. So for me, like just going to, I did work at a um, cocktail bar in Grand Rapids. I helped them open and they made all their simples. And so through that, like I made a lot of, I would say mixologists, they wouldn't necessarily call themselves that, but I think they're mixologists because they make their own recipes. Um, So I learned a lot from the people I worked with and the friends that would go there and so I grew like a large friend group of bartenders so from there I'm like you know what like I'm gonna make my own simple syrups because it just sounds even like more appealing to your client, like oh, everything's homemade, fresh, like no added sugars, no bullshit, <laughs> basically. Right. So yeah, that's why I started like the simple syrups. It is interesting that you say that
0: too, because you can taste the difference, and I feel like if you are a cocktail drinker or you know you like a good cocktail every so often, like you absolutely can, because the ones online are so, like you said, they're so filled with sugar and it's just like okay I am good like I don't I if I wanted to drink sugar I would just like have a pixie straw or something like I don't need that in my cocktail so
1: yeah I also didn't want to be like that normal like bar catering like how so many hotels like offer catering like I didn't want to be that I wanted to be different and more upscale so I feel like making your own ingredients and like putting the love into it I guess just makes your the experience that you're providing your clients like that much better rather than just like pop and shop and here's some beer type thing. So
0: and I feel like because my boyfriend and I do this after every wedding of like what was good, what was not good, and my mom and I do the same thing. It's interesting because even talking to other people of like, what made this wedding awesome? And I feel like it's always around drinks. It's like, this wedding was awful because they ran out of alcohol. (laughs) This wedding was great because they had a signature drink. They had this, you know, cart. They had this special company, like anywhere. I feel like it's always around food and drink, whether it's a wedding, whether it's just like a corporate event, whatever. But I feel like that's always true. Now, do you stick to just weddings or what are some of like the variety of events you've done?
1: So the first year was definitely mainly just weddings, but it's grown to be probably 50-50 now of corporate events and weddings. I personally love the corporate events way more. <laughs> Not as like chaotic, but <laughs> um, yeah, different type of crowd, which is fine. I mean, weddings are great, but yeah. So I do a lot of like fundraising events charity events we do this annual like west side cleanup for grand rapids where everyone goes around and there's volunteers that clean up trash and stuff in the parks and whatnot so we're always there to host afterwards um a lot of fundraising this year actually a lot of fundraising um that's awesome yeah birthday parties retirement parties just because parties right (laughs) bridal showers baby showers sometimes I did a Mother's Day one. There's just all kinds of opportunities with the mobile bar industry that you don't really initially think of.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't even think about that. But no, that's absolutely true. No, I'm so excited for the first time ever to go to my friend's baby shower because she's having it at... Oh, you know, Hopcat, of course, being in Michigan. So she's having a Hopcat near us and significant (laughs) others are involved. So all of us women aren't stuck just going, but I'm like really looking forward to it. And I was like, oh, because we get to drink and it's something other than a freaking mimosa because I'm not a big mimosa gal. So (laughs) yeah. now if you feel comfortable, I would love to know what is the best event and worst event you've been to that you were asked to be there for. You don't have to name names, of course, but
1: yeah um so i've only ever had one bad review out of probably 150 events and that one event would be the day <laughs> of <my assistants>. okay. <laughs> um it was a oh gosh the bride was so sweet and so understanding and so caring and we're still like i see her out in public now And we are still very friendly to each other and like excited to see each other. So it's nothing actually to do with the bride, which is what you would normally think. Right. Weddings. It was a very different cultural experience that. (laughs) I don't want to like say too much, but it was a cultural experience that I wasn't used to and that I had no knowledge of. Basically a three day event. And the men there were very Um, how do I say this nicely they were just very dismissive of women so when I came to grab like a water jar off the table to refill it. He grabbed it back for me and <gasps> swore at me and called me names. Oh my God. And I was like, sir, I know it was crazy, but it was a water jug. So I'm like, sorry, this is mine. I was just going to go refill it for you. And then he got up from the table and it became this whole thing. And I was so embarrassed. And I had like bartenders there that hadn't worked for me before. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're going to think I'm a terrible like business owner and like, Oh, and then the event planner got involved and she was a brat to me because she didn't understand what was actually happening. So it was just the whole thing. But like I said, the bride and I are good. Everything's great. She ended up being really happy. I stayed open an hour extra for her just because to like be nice and keep the peace. But yeah, that would be my worst event Um, and every other event like I've absolutely loved. (laughs) Yes.
0: I'm that one, I get in an Uber and I'm like, who's the worst client you've had? I just love asking it because it's, I, I don't understand. Oh my gosh, that would be interesting. Oh, there's been some good <laughs> yeah. ones. Let me tell you. Now, <laughs> going into this year, of course, since we're towards the beginning still uh, of 2024, what are you most excited for, for your business or what you're doing this year so far?
1: Yeah, so I actually sold Amo like six months ago at this point to a bar and my lawyer who actually helped me start the business. So kind of a weird so funny. 360, 180, whatever. Right. <laughs> um so now that I have deeper pockets, I guess. Hey. Um I'm gonna be expand <laughs> I'm gonna be expanding the mobile bar fleet. So we're gonna add um a couple different mobile bar options. Right now I have like smaller bar carts for places that like you know you can't obviously fit the camper into so that I can keep myself open during the winter like take a small cart into a house or something Um, but we're going to build more of those and we're just kind of going to expand the services we provide too we're going to do more of a white glove service for an extra cost so it's going to be like really bespoke and very catered to the client based on what they want for their specific event like aperitivo drinks and digestives and stuff like that instead of your just normal like cocktail hour so yeah I'm excited for that
0: that is so exciting yes I didn't know if you wanted to share that you sold it or not so that's why I was like you can tell it if you want so because I love that you sold it to your lawyer
1: I know I have a profit share so I still technically feel that I own part of it it's Um, your baby Yes. At least forty percent. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> and frankly, they need me there. It wouldn't be Bubbyama without me. So <laughs>
0: exactly. I love that. Now, as we wrap this up, Tess, what advice do you have for listeners?
1: Don't doubt yourself. Don't second guess yourself. Just do it. Also, in the same stride, like don't be a perfectionist. Like just get out an initial product, and then from there, also don't be afraid of asking for help because I. Personally, at first thought I had to do everything and I didn't want to pay anyone, but in the long run, it really does help to ask for help, spend some money because that's a really good investment for your business to do that. So
0: that was really good advice. Tess, you're amazing. (laughs) This is so much fun. If you want to follow Tess's ventures and watch her expand her amazing fleet, head to the show notes for all of her fun links and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business.